from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 158. Today's show is brought to you by Casper, Squarespace, and Balance. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Federico Vitici. Ciao, Federico. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you very much. And Stephen Hackett, how did you? The family's back together. I know, this feels really weird. I I got off a plane this morning, um, like five hours ago from America, and I'm back in my office after one month of being away from my office, so my iMac seems like a billboard. It's like the biggest screen on the planet. Um, <laughs> everything is weird. Uh, I don't feel like I fully know where I am. I also haven't recorded anything in over a week, so the wheels might fall off this one is basically what I'm attempting to tell everybody. It's fine. It, mm-hmm. It's not a connected without some sort of chance of disaster. So That's true. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You should have you should have really just done the show from an airplane. You should have bought the internet connection from the flight. Oh wow. And open Skype from I mean, it's not like Skype can get any worse in terms of quality. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure that, you know, the experience for us would have been the same. Can you imagine uh, like, like on an airplane on a night flight? <laughs> And I'm Podcasting just like shining in the background. You're just like, hey, sir, do you want a hot towel follow up? And you're like, eh. <laughs> follow up. The towels are still hot. <laughs> <laughs> Topic number one: airplane food. What's the deal with airplane food? <laughs> Stephen, oh, can no. you please save us and <laughs> take us into the the follow up of the show, please? Uh, Thank you. Yes. Although we have a pit stop before follow-up. Yeah, we may get whiplash from the change of tone that we're about to attempt here. It's it's going to get serious, and then we're going to talk about your iPad. So Okay, great. Okay. Uh, but s- September, dear listener, I guess the two of you, uh, the two my two co-hosts, September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And readers of my site will know that in September, I forego sponsorship. Um, this year, I'm also donating the membership and YouTube revenue, because I didn't have those things last year, and now I do. Uh, to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. It's a hospital here in Memphis dedicated to saving the lives of uh, kids with cancer. And it's really close to my family's heart. Our oldest son is a patient there. Uh, So the first link in the show notes will be to a page on my website where you can read about it. If you haven't read about it before, you can see why it's special to us, see why St. Jude is special. And uh, I would love it if you you can to uh, help support St. Jude this month. Um, they they don't charge families a dime for their care. So we've received millions of dollars of healthcare for our son, and they've never billed me once, which is just incredible. Um, so I would love your, I would love for you to support them. Like I said, first link in the show notes. Go check it out. Um, and uh, many thanks from my family for doing that. So Stephen is trying to raise uh, nine thousand dollars this year. Yes, um, to help support mm-hmm. St Jude, when, and it says his, his kids are going to be running the kids marathon for this. Uh, it's already 42% of the goal um, after just a couple of days. I think it would be amazing if this goal could be met by next week. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And so, It'd be incredible. Connected listeners, please, please, please give whatever you can. I know that there's a lot um, There's a lot of really worthy causes for charity right now. Uh, I understand that there's a lot going on in the world. But this is, if you know, if you listen to the show and you enjoy what we do, this this should, this should have some elements element of importance to you, I think, if you've been following us for any period of time. So, uh, it would it would mean the world to all of us if you could give some money to Saint Jude. Um, yep. So yeah, thank you so much. 
All right. All right. So you, you what? Uh, so I, if I'm following correctly, I listened. I listened to last week's episode this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, we discovered that Federico's iPad wasn't bent due to some kind of boiling point issue, which I found hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like that somehow <laughs> really a beach in Italy had found the, the perfect. Uh, I don't know, like some kind of sun flare. Uh, <laughs> Which put you to a hundred <laughs> degrees cent- uh, Celsius, was my understanding. To, yeah, I think to bend so. your iPads. That was that was really everyone from Miles was dead, but the yeah, iPad was, was fine. So happy you got you came away unscathed from that, Federico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really really close call. But, I also you know, my, I- could really feel your. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word, like. I could I could really feel like a a sense of like awkwardness of of trepidation from you at the idea of having somebody else's iPad. I could feel that. I I you I feel like you didn't say what? it at the time, <laughs> but I really felt that you were like I don't want someone else's iPad, uh, which you know, was your concern like, about how your replacement was was given to you. Um it's just more more of a yes, I I think you're right and um I think it's a it's a consequence of the fact that I don't like to you know when I'm investing my money on big purchases I I don't like to buy used things you know because this is money that I save you know my personal savings whether it's for my my new car or my equipment and I I really don't like the idea of I'm saving money and I'm given something that's already been used and might be damaged in some way that I don't know. I just like the idea of control and uh, and I realize that I'm a little obsessed with the with this idea of something is new and if it's broken I know it's you know 90% it's my fault. And I I've bought and I think going back in time uh, this goes back to the problems that I've had with buying used cars. My first three cars were all uh, previously owned by someone else. And I've had so many problems. And I've wasted so much time and money on fixing those problems. Uh, and I can, the worst part was not necessarily the time and the money. It was not knowing what the exact cause for those problems were. And I, I just said, you know, the next time I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to have a big ex- expense in my life. I'm going to save more money, I'm going to wait more time, but I will buy something that is new, and if it's broken, I at least I can know what the problem is. And what made this iPad situation especially bad was that I bought a new iPad, but I didn't know what the cause was, even if it was new. And so, not knowing what the problem was, was with the iPad, and the potential of now I'm getting a used iPad in return, it was really the worst of both worlds. And uh, I don't know. Um, I'm just I can just say that uh, you know, when I bought my new car last year, I bought a new one, and so far, fingers crossed, still no problems. So yeah, that was the reason for my trepidation and the you know, kind of like my feeling uneasy with the idea of a refurbished iPad. Because um, I really don't like when I don't know what happened to a product that was owned by someone else. Well, I have some good news for you, Federico, that uh, according to all of our follow-up, your replacement iPad is probably new. 
Yay! Uh, <laughs> so it's it's. I think it's probably actually impossible to know. So Apple used to use a different serial number for refurbished products. That, according to at least one email I have from somebody, I believe that practice has come to an end. Uh, but it's still early enough in the re, in the re, in the cycle that it's probably probably new. And e- and even if it is remanufactured, like anything you touch or see would be new. So I, I like you know. I, I view that as like you bought a new car, but it has bits of old cars in it because they recycle old cars. Like it's, it's not like they just someone replaced, returned an iPad and they shipped it to you directly without like scrubbing the guy's fingerprints off. So I think you're fine, but I think it's probably new. So hopefully that that helps you sleep better at night. Yeah, it does. I mean, you could try and send it somewhere for DNA testing. Definitely, definitely don't do that. That that opens a can of worms. You can't you can't reclose. Mm-hmm. But you should send it somewhere for DNA testing. <laughs> So, Stephen, you've joined uh, the 20th century. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to tell Uh, listeners what's next in our document? Yeah, I really don't understand what is going on here. Are you crazy, Stephen? So I have a story to tell you. Is this a midlife crisis? It may be. I feel like we Mm. all have, just looking at this document today, we all have weird stories to tell. And I think this is, we're (laughs) going to start with Stephen's story. So, a couple of days ago, I bought an album on iTunes, and I said, this is great. I was in my Mac, this, uh, this album came out, hey, I want to have it uh, on my phone. And so I buy it on my iMac, and I put my phone in its dock to try to sync that album to the phone, like a normal human being used to do, and it just fails. Like, I don't get an error message, it's in the right playlist, I, I confirm this, iTunes just won't move it across the USB cable to the phone. I restart iTunes. I restart my computer. I restart my phone. I sacrifice some small animals. Nothing, nothing will make this album cross the whatever it is, you know, two foot long USB cable out of my iMac into my phone. It just refuses to work. I don't use iTunes Match, so I can't do that. And this, this for some reason just was the last straw for me. Uh, may, I know everyone else has had this epiphany many of you years ago. I'm mm. a little slow, I guess. And so I went to settings on my phone and I deleted all my local music. And I already had a Spotify account because I have an Amazon Echo. And I put Spotify on my home screen. Yesterday I went through and found all the music I want. I downloaded a bunch of music to my phone from Spotify, which is kind of a terrible user experience. You have to like leave the screen on on your phone so the app can stay awake. It's terrible. Uh, but after many hours, I now have my music library rebuilt in Spotify and much of it local on my phone. And mm. and so, yeah, so I'm, I am, I'm all in on, on trying this. Uh, I don't know if it's... Like on the Mac, it's weird because iTunes on the Mac, like, yes, it's old. And and by the way, as like a, as a sub point to all this, if you don't listen to App Stories, the the podcast Federico does with uh, John Voorhees, it's really good. And this week, y'all talked about iTunes on the Mac being replaced. And so like, as I was going through this yesterday, I was listening to that podcast, and I felt like you were my two life coaches, like, urging me Mm-mm. down the road <laughs> doing this. Uh, so l- let me ask you this. Okay. So uh, the choice of Spotify comes primarily because you have an Amazon Echo. And so yes. you want to have that integration. Well, and I'm already paying for Spotify. I didn't want to like... Okay, I have sure. problems with the idea of Apple Music of like mixing my old library and like streaming stuff. And I, I really dislike the music app 
in general. Mm-hmm. So, but primarily it was I already pay for Spotify. Why not sure. give it a shot? So let me ask you this: What happens if you stick with this? If you keep streaming music? Yes. What happens when the HomePod comes out? I don't think I'm going to buy a HomePod. Mm, I really like okay. the Echo. I ha- and mm. I have I have too much stuff that's Echo dependent now that the uh, that the HomePod won't be able to do easily. Like so, what? Uh, like I mean, like a lot of the the I like a lot of the news stuff that it does. You know, okay. like every evening we're making dinner, we have the thing read the news to us. Um, we I have some ift triggers now, so we've talked on the show about the canary, how that's tied to it. Like the HomePod could take over all my HomeKit stuff because I don't I don't install any smart stuff or try not to that the HomeKit and Echo both can't talk to. I guess the only the only thing that the Echo can talk to in my home that a HomePod cannot is the thermostat. But I already feel really like embedded in the Echo ecosystem. I have three of them now. Could you call it an Echo system, maybe? Oh, Mike, please. Come Yo, on. I'm back, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Uh, I'm deep in the Amazon ecosystem. And nice, I just, nice. I. Like, I would try the HomePod. Like, I'm really curious how it sounds because the Echo sounds like garbage for music. But Amazon could fix that tomorrow with a new Echo, and I'd, I'd be perfectly happy. Okay. I want to, okay. like, take a poll. I want to start a poll on how long it is until you just give up and go back to your local music again. This feels like such a Stephen thing, right? Like, yeah. To, to, <laughs> to do this, to go through all the effort and then just give it up like a week later. Like when he bought the MacBook and that it like he did a video and then he changed to another yep. computer. Yep. <laughs> or like remember the milk or Evernote or <laughs> basically anything. I'm gonna go with three weeks to one month Ooh, before he goes back. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm gonna take the up to three weeks point then on this. Because <laughs> I mean, after a, I feel like a month. It, that's that's pretty. Like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take up to three weeks, and then Federico, okay, you can have okay. like between three to four okay. weeks. Okay. Okay. One thing. So I am in this process of learning all the things that Spotify can do that every again everyone else already knew. But like so far, one of my favorite things is that if I have music playing on my computer, I can control it from my phone. Like it's really like the integration is really nice. I'm listening to something to my in my car, and I get out of my car and I walk into my office. I can just open Spotify and like pick up right where I left off. Mm-hmm. Like some of that stuff that Apple Music and iTunes should totally do, but it doesn't because iTunes on the Mac is holding it back. There's still a feature somewhere inside of Spotify that you might enjoy. I don't, it's in the Mac app somewhere where you can upload local music to Spotify and download it to your phone. So if you have like a specific live recording, you can still do that. Which I do. Yeah, I definitely have some stuff like that that's kind of stranded in the old library. I know that, so it can see local files. I wonder if I try to, you know, add to queue, I don't know, save to your library. There's some options here. So I need to dig into that because I definitely have some stuff that I do not want to leave behind in the old library. So maybe that means that I still sync that stuff to my phone or try to whenever whatever bug I hit is resolved. Um, So we'll see. We will see how it goes. Yeah, it's somewhere. It's, I know it's still in there somewhere. I used to do that feature. I used to use that feature quite yeah. a lot, and, and I believe it's still in there. So it's worth digging around. But I'm pleased. Yeah, I'm pleased you're using Spotify. Uh, these these services they're very very convenient, and I'm looking forward to you living that convenience. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Check. We'll check back in. I guess. 
All right, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Casper, the company that have created an outrageously comfortable mattress that will sell directly to you, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Casper's award-winning mattress was developed by their engineers in-house. It has a sleek design and will be delivered to you in an impossibly small box that makes it easy to get up the stairs. In addition to their mattress, Casper also offer an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets so you can really sleep in that Casper lifestyle if you want to. Their engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It is obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price, so there is no surprise that it has an average of 4.8 stars across more than 30,000 online reviews. Casper's San Francisco research and development team have developed a proprietary foam that relieves pressure and increases airflow. They combined it with a springy comfort layer to contour to your body to help keep you cool as well throughout the night. This means that Casper mattresses have just the right sink and just the right bounce. All of Casper's mattresses are offered to you at great prices, and they are designed and developed in America. They've cut the hassle and cost of dealing with showrooms. They're passing those savings directly to you, and then you don't have to go down to a mattress showroom and sit on the mattresses and see if they're right for you. It's funny, when I was in New York, I saw some uh, mattress showrooms, and every time I saw a mattress showroom, I was just had the words of the Casper ad just playing in my mind. It was really funny. Now, uh, Stephen, I know that you have a Casper mattress at home. Um, I have not seen it. I, I stayed at your house, but I actually didn't see your mattress. Uh, I didn't ask to go <laughs> test the mattress. So can you tell me what your mattress is like? I think you really should have. You could just like jumped right on it. It would have been maybe a little awkward. I don't want to tell you. It's, it's super great. So we had one of those like big foam things before. Which was fine, but it always you'd always be hot because you kind of like sink into it. And mm-hmm. in Memphis, that's a problem because it's hot here. Very hot. And the one of my favorite things about the Casper is that you you still have a bunch of those benefits of foam mattress, really soft, really comfortable, but you don't sink down into it, so you're not all hot and gross when you wake up. It's it's very it sleeps very comfortably even in the hot southern summer. Buying a Casper mattress is. So easy and risk-free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the US, Canada, and the UK as well. With Casper, you can actually get to sleep on their mattress before you make your decision. You can try it out for 100 nights to decide if the Casper mattress is the mattress you want to spend a third of your life on. And if you don't love it for any reason, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com connected and using the code connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show all right so uh alexander sent in something to us which is so perfect for this show (laughs) it is a website called productgraveyard.com and it is a project in which this website features products and services so like web stuff web services mostly that have died and or probably mm. been sunsetted. Uh, and it has a bunch of details for each of the products. So you can go in, you can click into the products, and it will tell you the cause of death, the product's lifespan, what it's remembered for, and its last known residence, uh, which oh. I thought was hilarious. And there is a really good entry for kind of uh, friend of the show, Everpix, which was one <laughs> of the first products that we really kind of went into uh, in depth that got shut down. Um, and there is a nice 2011 to 2013 in memoriam page on the product graveyard website, so you can go and see it yourself. I just thought this was really funny uh, and just something mm. worth putting in. They have 1,057 deceased products 
um, in their in their library. Honestly, I have no idea why this thing exists. Um, like, I don't know. There there is, isn't really much information on the page that I can find as to like why this was set up. Um, but it's mm. there, and it's it's interesting. It's funny, and it's also kind of sad. Um, yeah. But but it, but it's it is something that I think ties quite nicely in with this show. So I thought I would include that in our follow up. I'm 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 flipping through this, and I'm trying to find the worst startup name. And I think I did it. All right. So there is IZ3D. IZ3D <laughs> designs and develops stereoscopic 3D visualization systems. So, I mean, are you sure it's, it's uh, worse than... I got to voila. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> and hold on, hold on. <laughs> I cannot say this. <laughs> but this product was called... <laughs> 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 Hold on. It was called Ducksboard, and oh. the logo is a duck. <laughs> and Ducksboard uh, allowed you to visualize and monitor your data in a single platform. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's good. Not me. How could it have failed? <laughs> yeah. There's a dot cloud right there on the same page. Um, Ducksboard Man, uh, lived between 2011 and 2014. Um, and it was a web app. So, yeah. Um, mm. I wanted to ask you, now that we've talked about this website, what oh, happens no. if this website shuts down? <laughs> I think at that point, we have to take over and create yeah. the product the... graveyard.com, graveyard.com. Have you ever wondered what happens to the guardian of the graveyard when the guardian dies? I guess like... it just goes to the guardian's child to look after. Hmm. Right? Hmm. That's been my assumption. That is a very grim. That is a very grim life goal to perpetuate the role of a graveyard guardian forever. Mm -hmm. I want to try and lift us out of this funk that we've accidentally walked our way into. I found Groove Shark. (laughs) You found what? (laughs) Groove Shark. Groove Shark. Yeah, that's the thing. Groove Shark. Uh, What did they do? Uh, It was music, I think. There are a lot of companies that start with my. So my team zone, my homekey.com, my cube, my front steps, my shape, what? which is not my space, my shape. And my personal favorite, mylackey.com. Oh no. That's so bad. <laughs> what about what about Capt Captain with two Ps for some oh. reason? Captain. 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 <laughs> like this is so part bad. of the reason your product fails is because nobody can find your website. It's like, what's, right. what's the name of your product? Yeah. Captain, but it's spelled with two P's. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I heard a thing once, which I really liked. I think it was Kevin Rose that said this. It's like, if you can't tell me the name of your product in a bar, I, I can't invest in it. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, are you saying that Rotor Communications Corporation oh. is not a good name? <laughs> <laughs> right, so I want to tell you a little story. Okay. Okay. Me and Adina, we were going out to the beach and we were on the ferry. We're sitting on the ferry. We're on the top deck of the ferry going out to the beach. And we're just sitting there and the ferry isn't moving for a while. And we're like five or ten minutes past the, the time period. And we keep hearing this like siren. There's like a siren playing. And like we didn't know where it was coming from. We're sitting on the boat. It could be anything. It's like a just like a do, do, do sound like that. Then all of a sudden, my phone goes crazy, and I have three text messages from Adina that are 
saying that she is uh, she's she's sounded an emergency call and has given me her location. There were three of these messages that came through, right? So it's like Adina is uh, is in an emergency. Um, I want to see if I can find. Let me. I'm gonna find the exact wording for you. But these came okay. in, right? And then once that one came in, we had another one, like a fourth one. But this is whilst we're looking at her phone, right? So it said, emergency SOS, Adina Niamtu has made an emergency call. You are receiving this message because Adina has listed you as an emergency contact. And it sends her location of a pin on a map. So we had no idea what was going on. We're looking at her phone. There was nothing happening. And then like a green bar would appear at the top of the phone, right? And then the green bar would go away. And it was calling 911. Oh, no. So she'd also made five 911 calls. It's not good. We're varying lengths. The phone is just doing this on its own. So I was like, turn the phone off. Like, I have no idea what's going on, but we need to stop you from calling 911. So she turns the phone off. And then, like, we have no idea what's going on, right? So it stopped, obviously, because the phone was off. So she turns the phone on again. And a little while later, we hear a siren. Then another call is made. Then her brother calls. Because this is like 10 minutes have passed at this point. Her brother calls because he's an emergency contact as well. So he thinks there is an emergency. Right? So that's dealt with. He's all okay. And then I'm like, what is going on here? So I start Googling. At this point, a fifth, I think a fifth emergency call had been made at that point. There was five total and this was the fifth one. I'm like, Why is this happening? Can any of you guess what had happened? Why this um, was happening. So let me ask you two questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Adina wearing an Apple Watch? Not at that moment, she wasn't. Does Adina have an iPad? Adina does have an Apple Watch. She wasn't wearing it. She does have an iPad. The watch was in her bag. And the watch was in her bag. It was uh-huh. on somehow, or it, the button got smashed in. It was on, and the button was being just held. Oh, yeah. man. Wow. So it was making the calls, triggering the emergency SOS. Turns out, if you just hold the button for a long period of time, it will trigger the emergency SOS and but will continue to do it over and over again. Now, that I don't think is the right cause of action. No, no, especially because the watch was in her bag. It was not on her wrist. Yeah. So why would you trigger multiple emergency multiple. emergency calls while the user is not wearing not the Apple wearing watch? watch? I mean, I get one, but it was five times. So like we were worried, like the boat wasn't leaving. Like, oh my god, are they sending like a helicopter? Like, <laughs> what is going on right now? <laughs> right. But like nine one one, I obviously get this because the calls were thirty five seconds, fifteen seconds, two seconds, and then they were rejecting them. So they must have some kind of system that understands either where the call is coming from, like what has triggered it, so like they know it's an, like an Apple Watch or whatever, I don't know, or that they can see that it's like a, an error. Yeah. But yeah, so we worked it out, and then I was like, take that watch out of your bag, turn it off and put it on your wrist. <laughs> We're not dealing with this anymore. So yeah, there you go. It, it makes a little siren sound. The watch was making a siren sound from her bag, but we didn't realize that was the case. And it just kept calling 911 over and over and over again. Wow, that's that's no good. So that yeah, that that they're... is a, a funny story, a bit of a mystery, and a word of warning to everybody. Hmm. I I once had a customer 
a long time ago when I was doing consulting, and she would get to work, and her MacBook Pro would be hot in her bag, and like she was like waking up, and it was a very similar thing. Except she had a Bluetooth mouse that she wasn't turning off, and so it would get like jostled in her bag. And it would move the cursor and wake the computer up. But, of course, hmm. the computer's closed in a bag. So it would just get, like, super hot. And it was, like, this cycle. Like, the machine would wake up and it would, like, do things. Like, sometimes things would be done. Like, like system preferences would be open. Or, like, something she was working on would have a bunch of crazy things in it. Because this, the mouse was, like, getting moved around and jostled as she, you know, walked and put the bag in her car and stuff. It's It's a weird thing until you figure out, you know, what's going on. There are already a bunch of people in the chat room saying that they've done this exact thing with the Apple Watch to the point where yeah. people are just turning the feature off. I think I may do that. Actually, I didn't know you could. I think I'm going to, once we're done today, I'm just going to turn this feature off of, from Adina's watch. It's coming to the iPhone, this thing as well, right? Was it like you it press is. the yes. home button five times and it activates yes. an emergency mode? Yep. So what it does, so I'm going to do mine right now. Oh, no, don't So it brings up a new services. screen that has... Slide to power off, and then medical ID, and then emergency SOS. So you have to drag over. So if I drag it over, I can see my medical ID. There's a picture of me and weight and sort of stuff. Um, but that also that's also what's being referred to as cop mode, where you have to re-enter your PIN to unlock the phone. It doesn't. Yeah, because when uh, you do disables this, Touch ID. Yeah, it it just you hit it five times, and then Touch ID doesn't work anymore, right? Like you right. have to enter your code in. So, like, if you're in a sticky situation, you hit the home button five times, and then it disables Touch ID, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great that it's there, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, can be done accidentally. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if there is a way to trigger the emergency call automatically from that, like in the way that there is from the, the Apple Watch, because I would. I would be concerned about that. I would. I, would I don't think there is. I think you've got to slide it over. Okay. Uh, you got to use that little. Multi-tool slider, multi-tool slider. I hope slider. that's the case. But yeah, so there you go. Turns out, you just hold that button down and you will continue to call 911 over and over and over again until somebody works out what's happened. Oh, I'm glad it wasn't a real emergency. Me too. Apple has killed the Apple Music Festival. It's dead. Ten years and it's gone away. Yeah. Rest in peace. I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting thing for me like it, it kind of seems like apple confirmed this to some music uh industry blogs websites it feels kind of to me now more than ever it makes sense for them to have this big apple music festival like making live recordings of these festivals available to apple music subscribers making the videos available to apple music subscribers that seems like a more uh compelling use case than ever before like the itunes music festival always felt like this weird thing that they kind of just did for the sake of doing it but i mean i would maybe argue that in a way i mean steven you can disagree with this i've been i've been wondering if this is true or not if kind of financially music is more important to apple than it's ever been would be my my posit here now i know that of course the ipod was a huge, massive, massive important part of the company, but it was maybe more sales of the iPod than sales of music that was important. Yeah, I think to the bottom line, I think so. Yeah, and now like the the services revenue is such an important part of Apple from Wall Street's perspective, and Apple Music is a is a linchpin of that. That it kind of feels interesting to me now that like 
to to get rid of a potential feature for Apple Music subscribers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they are maybe they're trying to focus or or like shift focus. Like they're getting rid of this, but then they're also doing a bunch of TV stuff. Like yeah, so that that's the what kind of comes to mind for me. Like if this is something that they are getting rid of then like what what's replacing it and maybe it is that tv stuff maybe they're going to do um you know they they used to do a lot more of this where a band would go into an apple store and like do something like acoustically or whatever mm-hmm. and then they'd record it and release it you know um what, i forget what the name of those were they had a name for that series but maybe they're doing more stuff like that and not this like giant festival concert thing i don't know well there's this article in the show notes from musicbusinessworld.com where they they mention the fact that it seems like apple has been like focusing in some other areas so there are some been some concerts recently that have been sponsored by apple music or kind of in conjunction with so artists like haim and arcade fire have done gigs where apple has been a partner of it and they also mm-hmm. in last summer they apple music was the sponsor of drake's 32 date tour so it might be that they're kind of pushing it, the Apple Music branding into already existing events as opposed to hosting their own. But it is a shame, though, because the iTunes Music Festival, the Apple Music Festival, was always this cool thing that happened in London. Um, and it is a shame that I never got to go to it, even though I applied yeah. for tickets every single year. <laughs> yeah, Maybe that's the problem, though, right? Like, maybe they want to do more US-based events instead yeah. of being in London, you know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. Didn't they do something last year, though? It was South by uh, Southwest, they, right? Yeah, it was a, a South by Southwest. They did some kind of mini concert or something, I think. Mm. I don't remember who was the artist, honestly. Uh but yeah, that's that's the idea, I guess, of doing more, you know, more smaller uh, events throughout the U.S. and other continents. Maybe I yeah. don't know. But instead of having to organize this huge event, which must be, you know, not just from a financial perspective, but also from an organizational point of view, it's a it's a big thing to organize, like a week, ten days in London, you know, flying artists in and streaming everything and setting up the entire organization and event that that's a lot of time and money and maybe maybe they think that having more presence at concerts and other events is a better strategy i don't know i'm sad because it was kind of cool you know yeah yeah it's a thing that i think we'll miss but i'm interested i'm interested to see if they push into working on other events and maybe maybe it will like the spirit will live on of the music festival but as a more segmented and something that's spread around a little bit more but but yeah it is it's yeah. it's something that i will miss anyway but it's it's something it's interesting to, to see where they're going to go with this because it's definitely i mean i would expect it's definitely not a money thing right it's not like that they, they can't afford this um i i assume that there is just some change in direction here that they're, they're going to start to put in place All right, today's show is also brought to you by Squarespace. You can enter the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create that website you have for your next idea, project, or event. With a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, Squarespace 
is the all-in-one platform that will let you put online whatever it is you want to put there. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. No upgrades needed. Squarespace have got you covered. The websites are so easy to build. They have these beautiful templates that you can tweak to your heart's content. And I am building a Squarespace website right now for my wedding. They have whole templates devoted to weddings, and they set all the pages up for you, and then you just go in and change what you need to change. You change the fonts you want, change some colors, change some images. It's really good. I like the fact that the templates, you can you can nuke them and just start afresh, but you can also start with these like suggested pages that will go with a specific template or a specific idea. So it's really useful to know like, oh yeah, I should probably have a page for this or I should probably have a page for that. It's really cool. But you can create anything with Squarespace. Maybe you want to make an online store. Maybe you want to make a blog. Maybe you want to make a site for your business, for your restaurant. It doesn't matter what it is. You can make it on Squarespace. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need anything. And as I mentioned, you can also get domain names of them as well. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com and then use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support via Connected by doing that. I want to thank Squarespace for the continued support of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So Siri has moved in with Craig. I know that seems like it's just gossip, but the story is, uh, this was the end of uh, last week, I think, that the Apple leadership page now reflects that the Siri organization is now underneath Craig Federighi. It was previously under Eddie Q, which I think maybe made sense in the beginning, but I think for a long time seemed sort of a stranger and stranger place for Siri to be. And now Apple has uh, has changed that, at least at least publicly. We don't know when it actually happened. Mm-hmm. My guess is maybe it's been this way for a while, but according to the public page now, the, this, is, uh, this is the deal. Siri has moved. As yeah. our resident historian, Stephen, yes. can you explain why Siri was ever under Q's division? Uh, Q used to have like an oddball assortment of services. And I, I think that that has streamlined over the years. And, you know, it, it started as an acquisition. Uh, you know, maybe that it just wasn't, I think, I, I think as it has grown in importance, it's become stranger that it was under his, his command. I think it started as like, it's just a service on the iPhone. And now it's sort of a whole business and a whole mm-hmm. super important part of all their products. And so I think it's just sort of evolved out of his purview. Because wasn't I guess wasn't there a time when Q had kind of like all cloud services, like mobile me and stuff, was under I, Q's I division? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was before Forstall left, right? When it was when it the divisions were much different, and it got restructured after Forstall. But for some reason, yeah. Siri. Siri remained under Q's division. I think probably incorrectly. I just don't think that was the right place for it at that point. Because I would expect that they've done this and they've moved it under Craig's banner because they want to make it more core to the operating system, would be my thinking. When you consider all the integrations that Siri has with iOS and the fact that Federighi oversees, um, has to oversee, like, Stuff like SiriKit, for example, the frameworks and the you know all the extensions and the direct hooks into the into between Siri and the the rest of the local OS. Uh, you could argue that Siri is as much as a cloud service as it is a native system feature, and so I think it may it definitely makes more sense to have the same team and the same uh, the same set of people look into this stuff, even if it means they have to 
bring in new kinds of expertise, you know, because you need both cloud people and local OS, like foundation and iOS people to make Siri and to make sure that it works. Uh, but if we, if, we, if we consider uh, Q more of the Hollywood uh, impresario type of guy that seems to be his role these days, uh, it makes more sense to have Siri be part of Federighi's uh, role rather than, than Q's. Yeah, I guess it, it, it hope. I mean, I would hope that it signals more of a change for Siri, maybe for Siri to step up a little bit more. You know, I, I think I think we would all agree that the advancement of Siri has been slow. Like even as as Siri Kit has started to become a thing, the intents that are being added to Siri Kit are not being added at a breakneck speed. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so maybe it is time considering, I mean, we're going to talk about just a slew of smart speaker news in a moment, but I think that, I think we can all agree that, that, that maybe Siri is becoming a bit of a thorn in Apple's side as their competitors are to varying levels of success, boosting their efforts, right? When you look at something like the HomePod, which we all believed was going to be the Siri speaker, at least the last time we saw anything about it, has limited Siri functionality when really that product, as everybody imagined it, would be the Siri speaker, not an Apple Music speaker with some Siri stuff built in. So that's kind of strange because if you look at the uh, HomePod specs and you know the leaks that came out a few weeks ago, there are all, you know, all the Siri questions that you can ask uh, natively on iOS, you should be able to get a response from the HomePod. It's just that they didn't open up SiriKit to the HomePod at all. And that's kind of strange, especially if you consider how Apple has been pushing this expansion of Siri to third-party apps. But it also kind of makes sense because there's no App Store for the HomePod. And so we go back to the problem that I think we discussed a few months ago of um, Siri for Apple is both local and in the cloud, in the sense that there's no concept of SiriKit that lives on the web and you can ask, for example, to do something with Todoist if you don't have the Todoist app installed on your device. So because you cannot install apps on your HomePod, therefore you can only ask native features that are, you know, that Apple directly makes and puts into the HomePod firmware. So I the bigger question, I guess, is how can Apple follow up with the, you know, to the Amazon Echo, to the Google Home, and now if Sonos is doing something, perhaps, how can they turn the HomePod into an app platform without running into the limitations of watchOS? That is, it depends on the iPhone for communication between apps, which makes everything slow and less reliable. So how can they expand Siri to support a variety of commands without having to users do stuff like install this app on your phone or make sure your yeah. iPhone is within range, you know? So how can they do that? I have no idea. We'll come back to the smart speaker stuff in a second, but can we talk about EdiQ for a moment? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what so, do you want to talk about? <laughs> all right. So I feel like over time, Eddie has become, at least in, in our community, like a, a joke he's become a joke like a people people use him as a meme right like 
there are there are jokes <laughs> made about Eddie. And I think a common consensus seems to have arisen that Eddie is no good. Right? Like that that he is bad at his job. And I mean some of the some of the thinking around this is like a bad Apple Music introduction, right? Like just just really bad. Just like just bad, bad. Um, and no Apple TV deals, no TV deals have been announced, right? And like people assume, and I think rightly so, that these these fall under his purview. This is this is his part of the business. So I I kind of wonder, like I I'm assuming that he must be good at his job or parts of his job that we don't see. Because Tim Cook seemed to have no real problem getting rid of Scott Forstall when Forstall was considered to be a problem. So if Eddie Q was bad, I'm sure that he wouldn't be around anymore, right? (laughs) I don't know, because, but then, you know, at the same time, two big parts of his organization have been removed from him. And that, but that could mean a million different things, right? Like it doesn't necessarily mean that he's bad at his job, but that maybe he was given things that he never really should have been managing in the first place. So when things start to look like they're going wrong, it's because well they were in the wrong place. Like Siri shouldn't be, shouldn't have been a part of his division. Neither should the App Store. Like it didn't make sense considering the other things that he had to look after. So I wonder, like I wonder, is is EDQ bad or has he been dealt a bad hand? Mm. I I tend to see Q as the guy that goes to the Hollywood studio people and other executives and makes deals. Now, I don't know what this means specifically. I just have this idea of when Apple needs to go and, you know, have dinner with some folks from Sony or to convince an artist to put out a video on Apple Music or an exclusive on Apple Music, they send Q. And that is totally my interpretation. I'm not sure if this is correct. And I'm sure that the guy has some... Like you say, Mike, it has, he has to do something right. Otherwise, it doesn't seem like Tim Cook would just keep him around because they're friends. Um, so either Q is doing something that we have no complete idea of what it is, you know, like admin stuff or manager type of stuff that is not easily explainable. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but, you know, the, the way that these deals are made um, is pretty obscure to me. Or maybe they just keep him around because he's good at convincing people. He's good at, you know, talking up to with the music studios and work out, uh, for example, a commission fee on streaming. Um he hasn't been doing well with the TV stuff, it seems. So I wonder if his maybe his his talents reside in mostly in the music industry, because that's where I assume because of iTunes and because of the iPod and because of the Steve Jobs legacy, maybe that's where he has the most uh, his contacts. You know, he has more contacts and connections and leverage on 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 other folks in the industry. I just assume. So, uh, but yeah, it is kind of a mystery, uh, you know. Especially considering he's, uh, you know, he's he hasn't been at keynotes since uh, last year. Was it two years ago? I don't remember. I mean, last year he did. I can't wait to do it. Uh, WWDC. 
And yeah. that was, I think, his last public appearance, maybe? <laughs> that's, that's the last chance you get. You say that line and you're done. No, he did a... Yeah. Didn't he do a recode thing? Oh, since yeah, there, uh, I was talking about Apple keynotes and introducing okay. Apple stuff. Yeah. But, like, so, here's the thing, right? So, like, about that TV thing. Apple were praised a few months ago, right, when they hired those TV executives, those two Sony executives, right, that were, like, responsible for Breaking Bad and stuff. What if Q did that? You know? Right, exactly. I think he probably did. I mean, I think that that if that's still under him, Mm -hmm. then I think that... You would assume that this is his... This is... This is what he does, right? Like, and you know, we're talking. We were talking about, and we everyone's been talking about this like billion dollar budget for TV shows. This might be all of his work, right? Like, you know, and again, like I know that Carpool Karaoke and behind, not behind the app. Every time, every time, Planet of the Apps didn't hasn't really been met with much fanfare, but I assume he's doing something, right? Like, I, I, I have, I, you know, he's this. Funny guy who is really awkward, but that doesn't mean that he's bad at his job, right? Because the, he's not good at presentations. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like he must be good. He must be good because he's an executive at the biggest company in the world. Yeah. I, I just, I just, yeah. I just have the feeling that maybe uh, Eric Yu, uh, Jimmy Iovine, and Dre are just uh, posse at Apple. They, they go around and mm-hmm. they talk to people they convince you know executives to come on board and they talk to artists and they make deals they are i don't know they are deal makers and maybe that is important i mean yeah. i'm sure that is important to apple well, and, in that in that uh, book becoming steve jobs he is praised right like his abilities are praised mm-hmm. then and this is like and i think they said that they needed steve to like close the deals but like this was earlier on in his career and that he was apparently like just really good at this stuff and there are people who have those skills but those skills don't necessarily transfer into everything else he might just be really good at schmoozing and they need that apple need that they've always needed it they're going to continue to need it and the thing about like the the tv thing um my feeling on that is i expect that the tv industry are very hesitant of apple because they don't want to become the music industry because Apple kind of ran owned through it guys. and owned it, and they <laughs> yeah. prob- and I'm sure they don't want Apple to have any more than what they currently have, which is an ability to sell stuff. So that that's kind of my feeling on that. Like the reason we haven't seen some Apple TV service, like that's probably why. But I just wanted to talk about it because you know it's it's fun it's fun to to make jokes, but I'm sure I'm sure he's good at his job, but he is also just terrible on stage. So there you go. Yeah, and and I think made worse in our community that we like craig federighi is kind of the nerd hero right and yep some it's harder to care about the media side of the business and i think a lot of like nerdy people actually loathe the media side of the business like they don't want apple to make tv they want apple to make a new mac pro yeah yeah and i think that i think that gets dumped onto eddie q probably unfairly by by members of the sort of nerd uh nerd yeah. community yeah but, but you know there's a there's a there's a person behind the fancy shirt he has feelings <laughs> too has sometimes you can see more of the person than you want the fancy <laughs> shirt. <laughs> we know it's there <laughs> we all remember <laughs> all right coming back to smart speakers there was just okay. 
a plethora of smart speaker-related news in the last week. And I want to just run through some of the things that caught my eye. So, first off, Amazon adds multi-room audio support to the Echo. So you can now create groups of Amazon Echo devices, like the Echo, the Echo Show, and the Echo Dot, even when the Echo Dot is attached to speakers. And you can put them into groups, and you can play music. So you can be like, hey, Echo, play this song on everything. And you set up a group, it's called Everything, and it's all of your devices. So you can you can group devices into one big group or into singular groups. Right now, I think only one device can be attached to only one group only. I expect they'll change this in the future because it's really weird. But it is it works. I have heard it in action. It works. It sounds great. Like It's like a Sonos. It works. And Amazon is also working with third-party manufacturers to create an API to do this. And they have said they are currently working with Bose, Sound United, and Samsung to put their stuff into, and I assume it's the Echo Assistant, into these boxes and then have the multi-room audio support throughout. And this feels like it's something that could finally kill Sonos because this is Sonos's thing. And now Amazon's like, yeah, we just added it to our thing for free. Like people can just can just do this now. Yeah. I wonder if they're on Product Graveyard. Let's look. Sonos. So you say this, right? But Sonos also announced a smart speaker event, a reveal event on October 4th, right? Mm. So Mm. my thing, I have a theory here. I think this is a Sonos with Echo functionality built in. That's what I think it is. I think, honestly, if Sonos are trying to build their own smart speaker platform, it will 100% kill the company. It will That's tank not them a good idea. immediately. Like they will, may as well just give it up. Like if they're trying to create their own. So considering that Amazon has already announced a partnership with Sonos, so that like they've already announced that they're working together, right? Like that was announced ages ago. Now they're doing a smart speaker and Amazon have added multi-room audio support. I think that they're just going to say, hey, we have now deeply integrated with the Amazon Echo platform and you can use our products as part of it now. We have cheaper ones. We have expensive ones. We're making great hardware for Amazon. That's what I think this event's going to be. Because anything else would be, I think, just a really, really bad idea from Sonos. I just don't see them lasting in this world anymore. Like It reminds me of Everpix, because these services like Everpix and Picture Life, they could exist when they are on their own. But when these huge companies walk into these things mm-hmm. and they don't need to make money on these services, there's no way companies mm-hmm. like Everpix can survive, right? Because Apple and Google could offer photo storage and they kind of bake some of the price of it into the fact that you're buying into their ecosystem and hardware. But Everpix, like, that was 100% of their business. They needed to make money from it, otherwise they couldn't exist. And I look at Sonos in the same way. Sonos, if they're trying to build their own platform here, they're just not going to be able to do it because Amazon is always going to offer a cheaper alternative. They're just always going to because they have all of the prime stuff to back it up. And Apple are always going to be able to offer premium stuff at similar prices, but with ecosystem lock-in. So Sonos don't have a place here, I think, if they're going to try and do it on their own anymore. So I expect that that Sonos event is where they announce their Amazon Echo Sonos speakers. 
that's my uh, you know they are they are testing the integration with the with the echo uh yep. you know if you have an amazon echo and you, you set up the sonos speaker and you can sort of chain the two and ask uh, you know play music on in my kitchen or play music in my living room and i think you're right because you know having to own two separate devices it just creates you know these integrations they can always be a bit flaky and it just seems like a better solution to me to have the echo intelligence and voice features directly built into the sonos speaker and so i think you're onto something here mike and i and i you know long term it just would make a lot of sense for amazon to buy sonos and to use whatever talent and hardware and you know design taste they have and make better speakers sold by amazon honestly so um, i was having this conversation with someone the night before amazon added the multi-room audio support right of like uh-huh. amazon should buy sonos so they can they can build these amazing speakers and the multi-room audio well i th- so i thought that like you federer because like it makes perfect sense amazon clearly doesn't need that no they don't right because they right. worked it out on their own i think it made sense for them to buy sonos a little while ago and I think that maybe Sonos were hoping that would happen. Uh, but I think Amazon has proven that they don't need to do that. But I think what Amazon does need is premium speakers for their system. Mm-hmm. Like really good it, speakers. And Sonos can make those. It would be interesting to see what happens now that there's... We're, we are witnessing, I think, this consolidation on two fronts. Uh, there's Amazon and products with uh, Echo integration on one... And on the other, we have Apple that is coming out with the HomePod and with the AirPlay 2 standard, which in theory, uh, Apple says that they have a bunch of brands on board and that speakers will come out as soon as iOS 11 is released. Um, some new speakers and other, uh, you know, the rec- some recent ones will get software updates for AirPlay 2. And AirPlay 2 introduces, you know, multi-room support and deeper iOS integration, you know, uh, it's even got some features that, you know, it can kind of work like the Sonos system in that, uh, you know, if you have music playing or a podcast playing on a AirPlay 2 speaker and if a sound notification comes in or if a phone call comes in, it doesn't pause playback on the, on the AirPlay mm-hmm. 2 speaker. So this w- sort of battle between speakers either made by Amazon or compatible with Amazon versus um, speakers made by Apple or compatible with Apple's APIs. That will be interesting to see how it goes. Um, but but I, I do believe this is the the sort of the word that we're going to see on the smart speaker front. Because and I'm counting out Google because I maybe I should include Google, uh, but should. it just seems like uh, I should, but it it seems to me like Amazon at least has captured more of the mindset, uh, at least among yeah. us tech people. I think Google are the Windows phone. In this argument, yes, yes, wow. Yes. But I wouldn't count them out yet. Like, not yet, not yet, because yeah. they have yeah. the money, resources, and patience to 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 make Google Home more of a thing. Plus, Android, right? Like, that is a huge, huge ecosystem. And if they can continue to just push Google Home into more stuff. People are going to want these more and more because it works with their phone. 
right? Like, I, I think that that is a thing that, that will continue. I just think that right now, Google is behind in a couple of ways. I mean, they did just announce a bunch of the first third party speakers and, and devices that, that are going to be integrating with their SDK. So one is coming from Anchor. Another is coming from a Chinese manufacturer called Mobvi. And LG have announced that like a bunch of their home appliances are going to have Google Home built in. So they're making moves, right? They're continuing to make moves as well. Like it's Amazon is doing stuff. Google is doing stuff. Like everyone is doing things right now, which continue to make this stuff more interesting, especially Microsoft and Amazon are teaming up to get their two voice assistants to talk to each other. This is an official partnership from Amazon and Microsoft. So the Amazon assistant and Cortana, Microsoft assistant. I feel like I can say Cortana because I can't imagine many people are using it. So I'm going to keep doing that one where I won't (laughs) say the Amazon one out loud because it's, it's upsetting. So soon you will be able to summon either assistant from the other assistant. So you can say, hey, Echo, tell Cortana to do this or whatever. Now, whilst that sounds weird and clunky, think, for example, if you use a Windows PC, you could trigger your hue lights from your Windows PC. Sure, if you can beat them, join them. And that's what they're doing. There's a great quote from (laughs) Nick Wingfield at the New York Times. Uh, Dan Moran quoted this in his article on Six Colors. These two companies have struggled in the smartphone business, which makes it hard to get people using their speaker services, their voice services, outside homes and offices. So by by pairing these two things together, they're like spreading their bets further. So I, I find mm. it really interesting. Like, and I think it's I think it's more on the getting Amazon Echo into PCs is more interesting than anything else. Putting Cortana into my Echo doesn't really I don't really know what that does to me. Maybe I can control my Windows PC. I actually don't know what Cortana can do. Um, but it's super interesting to see two competing companies like this joining forces. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Amazon, man. They are really going for this. And right yeah, now, they yeah. are leading. Yeah. Like, there is no joke like, anymore. It, it is, it, they are pushing further into software, more into hardware. They have products they're releasing all the time. They have integrations that they're continuing to push on. They're doing deals with huge companies. Like, you know, you can you can say which service you prefer, but right now they are owning this space. Like they've got it; it's theirs, and everybody else, I think, is catching up. Well, yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of disagree. But we'll get to this in in a, in a few minutes, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, as I say, you can have your favorite, but like if you're looking at the smart device, smart speaker voice assistant thing right yeah right yeah they are they are they are owning the majority of the space right now because so much of the conversation is focused around them and the things that they are doing that is true but it's also true that the you know the echo is available in like three countries and Mm -hmm. it's sort of it's i feel like it's important to contextualize like how relevant a smart speaker alone is if it doesn't work with your smartphone or computer i i guess it's well, i'm I trying mean, you know uh, you can use the, the app you can use the amazon app sure sure but it's just 
it feels like if you take into account um, the ecosystem of services, mm-hmm. it feels like Google even is is in a better position than Amazon. You could say because of Android, because of you know the, the it's this, the whole suite of products into the same ecosystem, and that's what Apple kind of wants to do as well. And so, if you consider the smart speaker alone, Amazon is clearly ahead. But if you consider, you know, the whole thing, like the whole ecosystem, Google is ahead, maybe, and yeah, Apple wants. I feel like that. That's just like saying, you know, Microsoft are, because there are PCs everywhere, and the PCs can have Cortana in them, right? Like, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's like who has the most devices is winning. No, not the most devices, but the 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 more versatile ecosystem i'm trying to find a way to phrase it that makes sense like once you if you want to use an amazon an amazon echo you know you're limited to just the speaker whereas if you maybe in a few months if you have a home pod and right now if you have a google home the google assistant is everywhere mm. so you don't have to apply a different set of skills whether you're on your phone or talking out loud in the kitchen, it's always the same yeah. service. Well, this this is know? why I'm saying don't count Google out because the Google yes, Assistant, exactly. which is powering all of this, is available everywhere and in on exactly. Android natively. But like my my point that I'm, I'm trying to drive at is if you're looking at where the advancement is coming from, like who is pushing it forward fastest, it's Amazon, I think, right now. Like that, they are unrelenting in everything that they're trying to do with the Echo platform. Which I guess brings us to a Federico's peculiar story to round out our peculiar <laughs> stories of, the, of this episode. Uh, uh, this is just an experiment that we are trying now. But basically, as we came back from our month long vacation, um, came back home and we did some reorganization, uh, especially of our bedroom and my corner of the room which is my mini studio and we realized <laughs> just how much stuff we we had in there like too many electronics and just stuff with cables everywhere and like we had the you know the multiple echoes and the sonos and a bunch of remotes and the logitech harmony and and we, both Sylvia and I, I guess we were, we were caught by an urge to simplify. And yeah, <laughs> and we've been talking about, especially about the Echo and the limitations that we specifically face with the Echo here, which is we cannot talk to the Echo in Italian. And that can be awkward or weird especially if you have people over. It's yeah. funny if you have close friends, but it's not funny if there's someone who's not, you know, like a real close friend or relative. And I guess it's worth uh, worth just, just for the sake of adding context to this discussion that you meant, you know, you just remind people that you only speak English to us, right? You speak Italian yes, at home. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because I, I live in Rome and I have Italian friends and, you know, I'm Italian, but I just... What? I speak a lot of English. Yes, I speak a lot of English, but I, I speak with you guys or with my uh, friends at Mac Stories and other people for work. Yeah. And so the Echo doesn't allow us to talk in Italian. And we also realized 
in addition to wanting to simplify and to have like a cleaner look for the for the house like less you know fewer cables less complexity i don't know why that is but we we were both on the same page and also we realized how much we've been enjoying siri lately it's faster when we want to turn on the lights um we use siri a lot um for timers and for uh, triggering scenes uh, and also to open the camera view because we're constantly checking in on the dogs when we're not at home. And taking these things together, I said, you know, we should maybe try and see how it goes if we get rid of the Amazon Echo. If we can do what we currently do just by using Siri and maybe later this year, if I can manage, or maybe next year, if it comes to Italy, to get a HomePod. And in addition to this, there's also the fact that I've been personally, for my English usage, I've been using the Amazon Echo less and less as I've been uh, testing the new iOS 11 domains for SiriKit coming in just a few weeks for um, taking notes and saving tasks in my task manager. Uh-huh. And I realized that a lot of my Amazon Echo usage was about saving tasks in Todoist. And now without getting into the specifics, I, you know, this stuff is coming with iOS 11. And I'm really enjoying the fact that I can do this stuff natively on my device and it's immediately saved into my task manager by using voice. And if you combine that with the fact that I'm not using Spotify anymore, um, you know, Sylvia and I, we have a family subscription with Apple Music. Taking all these factors together, um, Siri works in, in Italian and English. There's a speaker coming. We're using Apple Music a lot more. Uh, we're using Siri a lot as a, you know, in our family, you know, in our household usage. We like Siri because it's faster and it seems more reliable. And we wanted to simplify. the The conclusion of this feels kind of obvious to me that we wanted to be, we wanted to have a simpler setup, just Siri, just Apple stuff, fewer third party dependencies. And mm. I'm not sure if this is gonna work out for now, especially because the HomePod is not out yet, and the fact that I don't like the way that hands free. Siri activation works on iOS. I don't fully like it. I don't fully trust it. Um, so I'm not sure if I will be able to live with the Amazon Echo Free world for at least a couple of months uh, if I yeah. can manage to get a HomePod from the US or the UK or whatever. Um, but it, I can tell you this, that it feels great. It feels very nice to have, you know, fewer cables, fewer accessories, and... There's a. It reminds me of when uh, I used to be a Mac user and I was constantly fiddling around and tweaking things with scripts and apps and you know, in a way that's uh, I've sort of had the same realization with home automation. I just want to buy stuff that works with HomeKit, that works with Siri. Then I don't have to think about integrations and you know, uh, IFTTT and all that stuff. I plug it in, I authenticate with my iCloud account, and it works. And it's kind of, 
it's kind of beautiful for now. There's a few things. So one, it's very surprising to me in general uh, because you you were our patient zero for the Echo, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You were the one that got the all of us involved in this. Um, are you losing any functionality by leaving this? Are any of your home smart home devices that you were using, have, they, have any of them been taken away because of this? So that's the other some. point. No. Uh, okay. Because I only have my really my only smart home devices are U lights and a bunch of HomeKit sensors. Okay. Uh, I cannot I cannot install uh, because uh, this is not our house we're renting. Um, I cannot install stuff that works with the Echo, like thermostats or door locks or okay. you know other of these devices. So Everything I'm, I'm, else can go along with it. That I guess that's the good thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the thing that I would really miss and why I have no intention of getting rid of these devices is I just love walking around my house and, and speaking commands. Yeah. Yeah. And and that and I agree with you, like I just don't I, I just don't get the same level of accuracy from from using the hands free Siri stuff. And I mean really the the main the main use in our house for having an echo is to turn our lights on and off and to set timers. Right and like being able to just speak those things into the into the air, and it happen that we love it. It's fantastic. Uh, I would miss that a lot, and I really don't feel like the the hands free Siri is good enough. No, and that that's why I'm um I'm really excited actually for the HomePod, even if I'm still not sold on the name. Um, I feel like I'm I'm maybe at a point in my life where I I don't have time for tweaking things constantly anymore mm-hmm. and I just want to choose an ecosystem and stick with it and you know and make sure that it works for everybody in the house and right now at least for us uh, for dual language support and for the minimal home kit devices that we uh, you know setup that we have that is Apple and Siri and we like Apple Music, we like Siri, we like the way that it works, and there's a speaker coming, even if it doesn't have the third-party integrations that I would like it to have. It seems to me like this uh, need for simplification is now better served by getting rid of these other devices, which include, you know, the Logitech Remote, the uh, the Sonos, uh, multiple Echoes. Uh, basically, the only things left are Apple stuff, HomeKit cameras, and again, also for the cameras, I'm really hoping that, you know, the Canary, the Logitech Circle, all of these devices will get HomeKit software updates because this is now possible with iOS 11. So the Mm -hmm. more I can switch to the Apple ecosystem, the less I have to think about, you know, keeping up with external integrations, APIs, different sets of commands, the better. So right now, the only stuff I have is Apple stuff, my video game consoles, and my Synology. And that's about it. So that's kind of, it, it's very refreshing. There's a very refreshing simplicity that I was kind of missing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm turning into Steven. I'm getting older. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Steven, do you want to take a bet on how long it is until Federico comes back? To the <laughs> <laughs> what, did he, what did he say for me on Spotify between three weeks and a month? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's probably going to be, I'm going to say six to eight weeks before something in, in HomeKit 
or Siri just breaks his will to live. Yeah, see, I was I was going to say by the end of the year. Because yeah. I, okay. I reckon that, like, the HomePod will come out, no date for Italy, it comes out, no one is, like, super enthused about it, and he's just like, forget it, and goes back to the Echo. Okay, we'll follow yeah. up on this. Well, <laughs> today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Balance. Balance are the team behind Balance for Mac, which is the app for helping you monitor all of your bank balances and card transactions. The Balance folk have just launched Balance Open. This is a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase. Coinbase is a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything. If what I'm saying to you sounds like another language, it's totally fine because Balance wants to help teach you about cryptocurrencies and they're going to do that by starting you on your way. The first 1,000 people that go to bal.money slash relay, that's B-A-L dot money slash relay, will receive $2 in the Ethereum currency for free as a gift from Balance. Go check it out today, find out more and try out Balance Open. I will say I was just in an airport and whilst in an airport, I was in a bunch of different newsstands and, you know, like those magazine shops like Hudson News seems to be this one that's prevalent across U.S. Uh, airports. And there were multiple magazines talking about blockchains and cryptocurrencies, like on the front page of them and how it's about to disrupt everything. So I've just learned a little bit about this stuff. I haven't been talking to the like the folk over at Balance recently. This feels like a real big thing that's coming. So I recommend maybe trying to get just a little bit more familiar with some of it. And uh, Balance is a great place to start. So bal.money slash relay, and you'll get, get you on your way with $2 in Ethereum. Uh, thanks to Balance for their support of this show. All right, so we are a week away. Really burying the lead today. We are a week away from an Apple event. It is going to happen at, at the Steve Jobs Theater on uh, at Apple Park on September 12th. It's going to be the first event there. Uh, we're going to be recording the day after, as we like to do on this show, so we let kind of the news settle in, piece together all of the stuff that we want to piece together. What do we think is going to be announced? Federico, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Um, all right, so I think it's safe to say we are expecting three new iPhones, and I'm I'm confident that the what people are referring to as the 7s and 7s Plus will actually be called the iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus, and that the special, you know, the the all new, all screen, top notch iPhone will be called something like the iPhone Edition or iPhone Pro or iPhone X. I don't know, but some other name that makes it different, but it doesn't also uh, make the iPhone 8 line less important. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see three new iPhones. Um, and then as a, we can go over some of this individually, but I think we'll get the Apple Watch 3 with longer battery life and LTE support as a, as a separate version. You can, if you like iPads, you know, if you want, you can get the cellular model. And um, I think we're going to see the 4K Apple TV and 4K content on iTunes. And after the event, the event will look into the specifics of 4K and will be able to follow up and say, yes, it is indeed ba- based on the HEVC video codec, as Stephen and I speculated, uh, I think it was last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are my, my main three, uh, iPhones, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and 4K on iTunes. So we can dig into these things in a little bit more detail where we want to, but just to kind of round out general predictions, the Mac, 
I mean, there are Mac products still coming this year. Anything? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to see anything. They showed the iMac Pro at WWDC. I think they could do a a press release, and you know, when that thing's ready, that's a press release. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything about the Mac Pro this calendar year. So, uh, I don't. I just don't see there being a a enough Mac stuff to warrant stage time at this point. I mean, they just did the MacBook Pros. What about High Sierra? I mean, maybe. I mean, usually, so if they do one event in the fall, we'll see like a High Sierra recap, but there's no hardware to tie it to. And I don't think the iMac Pro is going to ship early in October, so I don't think there's going to be an event then. So, I mean, High Sierra may get a little time on stage, but three new phones, new Apple Watch, new Apple TV, that's plenty for an event. This could be a Mac-free event, I think. What about the HomePod? Anything? I mean, there's still more to tell. Um, are they going to yeah. show that now? Will they do an event later on in the year, which maybe has more information about the iMac Pro and the HomePod? Like, would they maybe. build an event around that? I mean, that's the wild card. Like, do they show? Do they recap what's at WBC about the HomePod, or if or if it's going to ship in December? You know, maybe we see a, a late October or even November event, and maybe it's HomePod and iMac Pro. I mean, maybe. That would be unusual, but they've uh, uh, also usually don't pre-announce yeah. things that are going to ship months out. Like I am expecting more because, like, we kind of glossed over this earlier, but like from the things that me and Federico were saying, there was a there was a disparity, right? So Federico was right in saying like the HomePod leak showed a bunch of Siri stuff, but at WWDC they were like limited Siri integration. These are the things that Siri will like might be, do and maybe some more. You know, like there was like they were very like hand wavy about Siri's functionality on the HomePod at mm-hmm. WWDC, I think. And they were talking about like limited stuff, but then the HomePod firmware leak maybe showed that it could do a bit more. So I think that, yeah. as you would expect, they did more work on it, right? Like I think that was always the the assumption is that there was a there was like six months to go before the product was going to be released. So there could be some stuff to talk about, or they could wait. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends if they feel like they. This is the question every year: Is there enough for a second event? And that's weird this year because the Macs are all basically up to date except for the Mac Mini and the you know these these future Macs that we are now coming, and then the HomePod is was announced six months in advance. And so, like, do do you go, do you go in depth with all the Siri commands and everything the HomePod can do, and people still have to wait another three months? Like that feels weird. So I don't know. It's that's an interesting little. Little thing, but I agree with Federico in the broad strokes that phones, watch, Apple TV, I think are going to be the the tent poles for this event. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm really, I'm really interested to see how they deal with the uh, let's just call it the iPhone Pro uh, and its software. Uh, what's the software the software story in terms of user interactions? Uh, the latest rumors suggest there's going to be like a thin bar at the bottom of the screen that you use to swipe up and open multitasking. Maybe you tap the bar to go back home. Maybe you press and hold for Siri. But really how they deal with the status bar, with the notch, which is what everybody is asking for, like how does it work? And how do they present these changes to developers? But more broadly, how does the iPhone Pro and you know stuff like facial recognition, uh, this new... Uh, bottom bar that replaces the home button. How does this affect developers who are going to submit iOS 11 software updates? 
uh, can they be ready for the new screen of the iPhone Pro in less than a week? Uh, did Apple create you know, uh, graceful fallbacks for the APIs? For example, if you use Touch ID, does it automatically fall back to you know, Face ID recognition in the iOS 11 SDK? Um, and are we going to see already or maybe not at the event, but shortly thereafter, are we going to see a beta of iOS 11.1, which uh, I don't think if we looking at, you know, previous years, I think it should be coming relatively quickly after iOS 11. So the the software story, I think it's really interesting, and especially because uh, developers are going to update their apps, you know, at the event, there's probably going to be the GM seed of iOS 11, but there's also going to be these new APIs for the iPhone Pro. And these seem to me like major changes to authentication into apps, a new form factor for the display, and new ways to, you know, uh, what happens to tab bars, for example, because at the bottom, there's now this home indicator. What happens to full screen usage? Can you, as an app, request to hide the home indicator or not? So there's a bunch of um, there's a bunch of details that I'm you know I'm sure after the event we'll go uh, look into the iOS documentation and figure out how it works. So when you if you think about rumors and conjecture from earlier in the year, wouldn't all of this be so much easier if this iPhone doesn't ship until October? <laughs> yes, it would indeed be so much easier to give developers not two days or three days to update and submit, but to to have the iPhone come out a month later. Mm-hmm. And not that this is the reason, like not that like oh, it comes no. out a month later because of developers, because I don't really think no. Apple care about that. But like, no. you know, the idea of like, oh, how are we going to deal with it? How will people take, like, how are people going to make that work for them? Well, ma- that answer might be given for them by the fact that this iPhone might not ship on the same day as the other ones. But I, I will say that this leak... These rumors of this idea of this, like this line, these multi-touch gestures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm very happy because this is what I wanted. What I have been hoping for was that I would get the full screen for the apps that I use. Because otherwise, what's the point, right? Like I think I said this yeah. in this show. Like, what was the point of giving me a big screen that covers the entire front if there's just a home button and the screen the whole time? Like, it just mm-hmm. seems like a waste, right? Like, just, just a complete waste of that screen if I can't get the full screen of it. And plus, you know, coming from a, a, a Plus phone, like, this screen isn't going to be as big as the Plus's screen, but it will give yeah. me everything that I want from a, from a big screen phone. Like, the reason that I like a big screen phone is I like to have more content on the screen. And if you take this new screen and go full screen, I will get the same... Not, not the same, but I will get... What will feel like just as much, right? Like all of, I'll be able to see loads of tweets. I'll be able to see loads of emails. I'll be able to see loads yeah. of messages, right? Like that's why I like a big screen phone because I like to have a lot of content on the screen and I will still get the majority of that, I think, with this phone because it's it's long, you know? So yeah. I'm excited yeah, about and that. And it's going to be longer, not wider, but yep. it's going to be longer. So you're going to be seeing more, more items in any vertical list yep. or presentation not just not as wide maybe as the iPhone Plus. And um, yeah, I agree. Like we were speculating on does Apple create like a function bar with persistent buttons? But, you know, in the end, I think probably the idea of uh, fully embracing the screen makes more sense. And you can, you can, you know, you can imagine how Apple is going to sell this feature with 
taglines like full screen is now you know real full screen stuff like that mm-hmm. uh i can see i can see how marketing could upsell that story and if you could, if you combine that with stuff like maybe even more battery maybe you know oh, i'm sure uh, improvements to the dual camera system and maybe even you know uh, 3d sensing cameras on the front of the device maybe even an api for developers uh we could be looking at maybe even a portrait mode for the selfie camera yeah and that would be that would be awesome um so i am excited i'm i'm more than in previous years i'm really looking oh, forward to this phone oh i'm so excited about this i really am like i mean we've been saying this to each other for, for weeks but i i am more excited about this iphone than i remember being excited for an iphone in a very 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 long time because there's there is just it doesn't matter how much we know or think we know about this device it's going to be so awesome to watch this thing be unveiled because it's just going to be so special looking and it's going to be so weird and wonderful in a way that the iPhone hasn't been probably since the plus was released. I think like that was maybe the last time that I was this excited because it, that then was the phone for me. And this now is the phone for me. Like the plus was the phone that I wanted when the, when it didn't exist. And this is the phone that I want because it doesn't exist. Right. Like I, I've wanted for a while to get rid of all of the big, bezels and the borders that go around a phone because i'm excited about this design trend but kind of going back to the event a little bit something that i'm really intrigued to see how apple is going to manage is the other iphones like how are Mm -hmm. they going to position this is i'm really intrigued to see just like the dance that they do and like the way that they tell the story of why you should buy the iphone 8 and 8 plus but why you should also buy the iPhone Pro. I'm really yeah, I'm really I, interested to see how that's going to work out. I think that the name, the naming has a lot to do with that. I, I agree that I think we're going to see them skip the S nomenclature this year. You know, the rumor is that these phones are going to look very similar, but they're going to have wireless charging, which means you got to have a glass back. So the design will be different to a degree. And so I think as the event goes on, they're announcing these phones as if they're the only phones they're announcing. And then there's a one more thing. Hey, yeah. there's this this special phone sitting ab- above that. And there will be people who, like, no doubt, this this 8 and 8 Plus, if that's what they're called, they will not see the the numbers that the, the top-of-the-line phone normally would see. I think Apple's hoping that, you know, we're going to make that difference up with the more expensive phones so the average selling price goes up, everyone's happy. But yeah, like it, that's the question here, and I think they're going to need to be, you know, they're going to need to have that wireless charging feature. The case is going to need to be a little bit different to accommodate that, and hopefully that's enough. Like if it looked just like the seven, which looked just like the success, which looked just like the six, that's going to be a real bummer. And yes, this phone is going to look old compared to the new one, but the new one's going to the addition or the pro or whatever. But the, that Pro phone is going to be so much more expensive and so different than I think maybe Apple's hoping to split the difference. Like, hey, people who you know upgrade every two years or three years, this is a great phone for you, and it's going to be faster, and it's going to have this better camera, and it's going to have wireless charging and that great. Uh, but then the enthusiast phone will be there for those of us who are willing to spend the money. And I think they're hoping they can just split that divide and 
you know, maybe it's not as big of a deal as we think it is because people, there's a huge number of, of consumers who just upgrade every two or three years to whatever's newest. And that phone will be there waiting for them. And they'll, you know, it'll be a big upgrade from their six or success or whatever. So we're a week away. We've got a mm-hmm. really big event coming up next week, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how the new venue looks um, and mm-hmm. how they present that as well. Me um, too. I'm I'm super excited about that. I think that we will see some time in the keynote dedicated to Apple Park and to the theater mm-hmm. that, you know, they used to do retail updates and they, they've, they've basically gotten rid of those. But I think there will be some time of like, welcome to our new home, you know, some gratuitous yeah. drone footage of uh-huh. the, the campus and and maybe even something about the theater itself. I think it's, we talked about when they named it, the name is perfect. I'm excited to see the space because I'm sort of like a, like a AV nerd and like I yeah. want, I want to see what the space looks like. And uh, I think that they will show it off. I think, that, I think this is the first time they're on their own campus. First time that they control everything. You know, they're not renting out, you know, the Flint center and building a giant building next door to it. So I think they'll spend some time welcoming the press and the world to their new home. I think that'll be fun to see. Question for you, Stephen. Natural light. Yes. Do you think they'll use natural light? In the theater? Mm. Or the theater subterranean? So no. But doesn't yeah. it have like all that glass roof? Like I'm just like trying to understand if there's a way they could do that. So the way the theater works, it's the big lobby upstairs, which is maybe where, where the hands-on will be. I don't know. That is that circle room with glass all the way around. It's got a carbon fiber roof. The theater, though, you go downstairs. It's subterranean. So I don't okay. think there's going to be any natural light in the theater. Okay. I think it'll be you step into this, this you know, this auditorium and they control you know everything, which is like how t- town hall is. Town hall is not underground, but like any theater, there's no, there's no very few theaters use natural light because they want to control everything. So you're going to walk downstairs into this giant uh, auditorium. But yeah, it'll be fun. I agree with you. It'll be fun to see that and, and see what that space is like. I'm very, very curious to hear Upgrade that week to hear Jason's, because Jason has been yeah. to all these venues, and I'm very curious to know how the Steve Jobs Theater holds up. Mm-hmm. It, it'll blow away the old town hall, but what is it like compared to all these other places that they've used over the years? Yeah, I'm concerned over what could be an 11 billion hour upgrade, because... It's going to be very long. I, I really want to know just about the 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 venue like i, I yeah. i'm really intrigued to like what is the waiting area like what are the seats like like you know like i'm i'm right. i'm very intrigued just to find out what the place is like before we even start talking about the new products does the wi-fi work is there power in the seats like i would hope they're talking about this on the verge cast this week uh that a lot of these venues because they're not really made for this sort of thing. Like journalists struggle and like yep. so the Wi-Fi is really bad or there's very limited power. It's like you're there for three hours and you know, you're taking pictures and streaming and all this stuff. Your MacBook Pro dies. Uh, Apple has in control of all of that now. So like that should all be great. And yep. I'm very curious to see if they pulled that off. I, mean, like, I hope they have. This building has been built for this. This is what it's for. Like it should be purpose made for journalists. So Apparently, there's some new res- seat reservation system as well, which they never had before. Like, yeah, I'm I'm really keen yeah. just to find out what the venue's like. But talking about upgrade, too. before we wrap up, me and Jason will be doing our draft this week. Um, yes. If you've never heard the upgrade keynote drafts, 
they're, they're some of the best episodes of Upgrade. We have a lot of fun putting those together. So that's going to be... I think we're doing that tomorrow. Um, because of my travel, we were a little bit delayed, but we're going to be uh, ending the Upgrade Summer of Fun with the keynote draft, I think. So that's uh, that's going to be happening on uh, on Upgrade tomorrow, so you can check that out. Um, if you... I mean, Federica, what are you planning? What kind of event coverage are you expecting to be taking care of at Max um, Stories? So the the full team should be on hand to cover all the news and all the overviews that we need to do. I just plan to enjoy, like in the past over the past two years. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to watch the show, maybe even with Sylvia, enjoy look watching the show, talking with friends on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, assigning stories to other team members. Then as soon as the event is over upgrade all of my devices to the GM seed yeah. of iOS 11 mm-hmm. and start taking screenshots because I'm very happy to communicate, Mike, that by tomorrow night, my review should be done. Wow. Completely edited. Each chapter has been edited six to seven times. Read aloud. Uh and fully prepared for screenshots and videos that's all that that's left so so yeah that's yeah i can see why you maybe stay away from the event coverage because like you've got to get those screenshots done right that's like a big big job because then it's like well we have i mean you we can assume when ios will come out but nobody knows they could be like ios is coming out tomorrow like we don't actually you know we can we can look at history but nobody really knows so high sierra's even even worse in that regard. I'm going to have my review ready. I could publish it on the 12th because they, they could just be like, it's out today. They've done that in the past. Just yeah. no warning. So yeah, it's it's a stressful time if you're a reviewer, no doubt. Mm. Mm. Turns out. Yep. Yep. Very stressful. Very stressful indeed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find our show notes online over at relay.fm slash connected slash 158. You can find Federico's work over at maxstories.net and he is at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find Stephen's work at 5 and he is online, he is on Twitter, online. He's on He's on the internet at, at ISMH. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And I will say to you, dear listeners, we'll be back next week on Wednesday the 13th so we can get some distance from the event so we can talk about everything in fine and thorough detail. But until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.